Uh, we're just thankful for the people of God. I want to uh, turn your attention to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21. And I want to read beginning at the 15th verse. The word of the Lord says this, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbibinob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. And I want to speak to you for a few moments tonight on that subject, the light of Israel. The light of Israel. Could we lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word tonight? Lord, I thank you for your holy word. It is a lamp and a light to our feet and to our path. And I pray, God, that as we endeavor to know you in a greater way, that you will speak to our hearts and minister to us, O oh God. Bring a life-changing word to us. We thank you, O oh God, and give you all praise and glory in the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Everybody said in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I do want to announce to you that this past Sunday, this past Sunday, we had over $45,000 given to Ready Now just this past Sunday. Let's give God praise for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The windows of heaven are opened above us. Amen. And we are we are obeying the voice of the Lord and he is doing a mighty work in our midst. And I thank each and every one of you for your faithfulness and for your sacrifice, for your generosity to the kingdom of God. It is making this a possibility and we're getting ready to do some amazing things that the Lord has commissioned us to do. I'm talking to you tonight about this man named David. David is, of course, one of the great figures of the Bible and he is one of those figures that perhaps different than others, uh, he, he's one of those rare individuals that we get to see uh, throughout the scriptures and we get to see his life from the very beginning, uh, really up until the end when he was just a young man all the way to when he literally drew his last breath. The Bible keeps meticulous record of David's life. And David was such an important uh, figure in the Word of God and in Israel's history and in Israel's development as a nation. And one of the, perhaps one of the most notable moments in David's life that we, where we begin to really encounter him and understand him, took place in the uh, throne room, if you please, or in conversation with King Saul, who was the first king of Israel because Israel wanted a king. They demanded a king. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't care where he came from. They wanted a king. And the way they put it was they wanted a king like other nations. 
we must be so careful when we want to be like other nations. And we should never want to be like other denominations. We must understand that we are the people of God. And, and, and that's it. That's we're the people of God. We obey his word. We obey his word and follow after his, his uh, spirit. And so, so the scripture decide, describes this moment where David is standing in before King Saul. And what brought him there is that David arrived at a battle scene. And this battle scene was in the Valley of Elah. Israel was facing off against their longtime nemesis, the Philistines. It's interesting because the passage of scripture that we read has to do with David when he was much older in life. And he is, even in this older position of life, still fighting the Philistines. So when we first meet David, he's fighting the Philistines. And even in his older position of life, he is still fighting the Philistines. And it is important for us to note that you and I, as long as we're in this body of flesh, will always be contending against the flesh. Never will there be a time when you will not have to fight a battle, a good fight of faith against the flesh. But David is a young man, very young, and he's standing before King Saul because the way the battle went that day in the Valley of Elah was, was a little bit un, unusual in the sense that there had been a negotiation uh, struck that, that the Philistines would send forth a champion and the Israelites would send forth a champion. And these champions would square off and basically represent their nations. And that's all fine and good. But this exception, uh, the, the Philistines champion's name was Goliath. And Goliath was beyond normal. He was this extraordinary individual who had enormous um, advantages over the average or ordinary man. He was, he was much larger than any man you or I have ever encountered, much taller, much broader, much, much greater in strength. And not only was he great in physical, brute, natural strength, but he, had, he was a trained warrior. So, so he wasn't like a clumsy giant. He was a, he was a skilled warrior that, that could utilize and leverage all of these physical faculties that he had at his disposal. And he could use them to, to absolutely annihilate his enemies. And the Philistines could not wait to put this man Goliath out on the battlefield against whomever the Israelites would bring against him. Didn't matter who the Israelites brought against him because uh, Goliath was, was capable of destroying anybody in hand-to-hand -hand combat. He was not afraid of their weapons because he himself was very skilled with weaponry. And this was, this was a foregone conclusion and Israel knew it. And nobody was volunteering to stand up against this man, Goliath. And the man probably who was most suited for this task of fighting this massive giant was the man named King Saul. The Bible says that he was from his shoulders and upward higher than any of the people. So, so he was by far the most advantaged in terms of strength uh, as, as far as the Israelites go. And he was no match for Goliath. And he knew it and Israel knew it. And their whole world was, was absolutely, had absolutely come to an end. They were about to be taken captive. 
their homes were getting ready to have all of their homes were getting ready to be either destroyed or captured their wives captured their children captured all of their wealth was getting ready to be taken from them israel was about to lose they were about to lose this battle profoundly and there was absolutely nothing they could do about it and the only man that was any hope at all was was in his palace fretting over the fact that he was about to die personally and Israel was getting ready to be taken into captivity and then somebody walks into the room and says somebody has volunteered and he said oh, thank god i mean i mean who who is it i hope they're 11 feet tall and i hope they are massive in strength and size and, and they said, well, it's actually Jesse's son. Which one? Because he's got several skilled fighters. Well, he's not any of the ones you've heard about. In fact, his name is David. And, uh, and he has volunteered. And he is determined to fight this battle. And Saul, Saul's frustrated because he thought for just a brief moment that there was a solution. And now he's learning that that was not even fair to give him that suggestion, but I guess bring him in and let's hear him out because nobody else is volunteering. And so David walks in and he's this, he's literally a kid and he comes walking in and, and he's gangly and he's ruddy and he's, he's got this, he's got a good countenance. The Bible said he's upbeat and he looks at Saul and says, Saul says to him, uh, young man, there's a little, there's a little discrepancy here. This do you know who you're, who you're fighting? You know, th this man has been a champion from his youth. We've known about him from his youth. This man has been a, a feared threat to all humanity in his region since he was your age. And you are just a child. He said, what makes you think that you have what it takes to fight Goliath? And David responds and says, I can take him. I can absolutely take him. What makes you think you can take him? Well, because God delivered me out of the hand of a lion. And God delivered me out of the hand of a bear. And then he said this, and I love this. The same God. Now I'm preaching to some people tonight who have miracles in your past. You've been there where the Lord showed up and he dried your tears in the midnight hour. You've been there when he put a hedge all about you. You've been there when he stepped into your circumstances and lifted you up out of the pit of despair. You know the God I'm talking about. And it is time that you look at your current battle and say the same God. who did it before is able to do it again. You've got to revisit. You've got to revisit what it sounded like to face that lion. What it sounded like when that bear began to growl, that guttural snarl. And then God gave you a strength you didn't know you had. Hallelujah. And delivered you and those sheep out of the hand of the bear. That God is going to give you the victory in this current crisis. 
Yes, he is going to do it because he's a faithful God. And David is, I mean, he's like jogging in place. He's like, I can take him. I know I can. God did it before. God will do it again. I'm not afraid of nothing. I'll take him. And no, I don't need your armor. I don't need anything. I got this. I got this. And, and, and Saul's like, what in the world am I looking at? David is ready to roll. And you know what I love? The Bible says that David called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He would not call him a giant. Now, everybody else called him a giant. Everybody else studied the measurements and the dimensions and the metrics and the statistics. And all of that came to one conclusion. He's a giant. But David refused to deal with him on the basis of stats or measurements or metrics of the world. Instead, he chose to address him in the context of covenant. And in the context of covenant, that's the only way he would refer to him. He is an uncircumcised Philistine. There's a difference between he and I. I am in a covenant of blessing and he is not. He's uncircumcised. That means he is not a part of the Abrahamic covenant. This means that he does not have a divine blessing upon him. But I do have a divine blessing upon me. And the Lord God who blesses says this. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I will bless them who bless you. I will curse them who curse you. David walked into that battlefield and said, I've got a blessing upon my life and I am not afraid. He walked out into the valley of Elah and he walks up to Goliath. And, and sure enough, Goliath immediately begins to go down this, this route of intimidation. And you got to understand, this isn't some clumsy oaf who's 10 feet tall or whatever and just stumbling and bumbling over his words. No, this is a skilled warrior. He's articulate. He begins to describe in detail how he's going to dismember David's body and how he's going to feed his carcass to the fowls of the air. His words are as, as visceral and as poignant and as deadly as the weapons that he uses and the strength that he is able to unleash. And he proceeds to annihilate David or anybody who's listening with his words. The only problem is David is walking in the context of an Abrahamic blessing and he's not afraid of his words and he's not afraid of anything that is coming against him. And finally he says to David, to Goliath, he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah of the hosts of Israel. There's a lot in that one statement. He's saying, I come against you in the name of Yahweh. I come against you in the name of Elohim. I come against you in the name of El Shaddai. I come against you in the name of Elion. I come against you in the name of Adonai. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Oh, of the host of Israel. Ah, I come against you in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I come against you in the name of the God of Moses. I come against you in the name of the God of Joseph. And the God that delivered them is with me right now. 
And David took one of those smooth stones that he had picked up from the brook and he put it squarely between Goliath's eyes and smote him. And he proceeded to walk over to him and removed his head from his shoulders, took that decapitated head to Saul and said, here's a trophy for you. Drop the mic. I mean, drop the head and just went on his way. Hallelujah. Glory. Do you understand? How elated Israel was in one moment of time. Every one of their dashed hopes came back to life. Every one of their fears that they had developed thinking in the worst case scenario that Goliath was getting ready to destroy them. There was no hope for their family, no hope for their livelihood. They were, they were up against a foe they could not defeat. I'm preaching to some people who were up against some foes and these foes have told you that you cannot win this battle. But I've come to tell you in the name of Jesus that if God be for you, Hallelujah, who can be against you? It's a rhetorical question and it means this. If God be for you, it doesn't matter who's against you. You already have the victory. This is why they started singing songs, literally singing songs about David. They would sing songs like, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. And, and they, they, he, was, he was immediately like a, an iconic figure in Israel because he saved them from, from absolute and certain demise. He saved them from this horrible death they were getting ready to experience. And, and, and they went from fearing the Philistines to knowing that the Philistines had no power over them. They went from being afraid to wake up every day. They went from being afraid to go to bed each night to having no fear whatsoever because David is alive and David is on our side. And if David is with us, it doesn't matter who comes against us. I'm not afraid of nothing as long as David is here. I'm not afraid of anything as long as David is playing that harp. As long as David is slinging those stones. As long as David is writing those songs. Because David would write songs, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to the songs that he would write. Now imagine if you're Israel. And you're hearing this song for the first time. And everybody around you has told you that you don't matter and that you're worthless and you're useless. And unlike their gods who they have placed neatly on little shelves, your God is invisible. And they've got a million and you've only got one. And, 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 and you're, you're, you're just ridiculous and foolish for even trusting in him. And so imagine if you're Israel and, and there's always these enemies that are coming against you. And then a man starts slaying your enemies and then writing songs. Songs that say things like, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And then he starts talking about beautiful Jerusalem. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is known in her palaces for a refuge. Hallelujah. Listen to what he said in one psalm. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is 
is within me. Bless his holy name. I want to stop right there and just say, listen to those words. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Sometimes you've got to tell your soul what to do. You hear me, soul? You're going to bless the Lord. You're not going to worry. You're not going to fret. You're not going to be depressed. You're not going to be downtrodden. You're not going to be cast down. No, you are going to bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Now listen, I don't know what all you've got going on inside of you, but I know that the psalmist said, all that is within me is going to bless his holy name. I don't know if you've got an ulcer, but that ulcer is going to have to bless his name. I don't know if the doctor told you you've got a spot on a vital organ, but that spot is going to have to bless his holy name. I don't know if you've got a little resentment down deep inside you've been wrestling with, but that resentment is going to have to bless his holy name. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. It doesn't get to be inside of me and not participate in the will of God for my life. No, no. My God. Let me break it down and tell you what I mean. Maybe you went through something that left you with a little uneasiness inside of you. Maybe even a little anxiety inside of you. And maybe you're dealing with that. Let me tell you something. You don't just need to deal with it. You need to command it to bless the Lord. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, this uneasiness does not control me. This tendency to be anxious does not control me. I will harness it and I will use it for the glory of God. And you watch me lay hands on somebody who's wrestling with the same thing. And God's going to give me the victory and he's going to give them the victory. You watch me use what I've got going on on the inside for the glory of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. I rebuke condemnation in Jesus' name. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. I rebuke guilt in Jesus' name. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. I rebuke past mistakes and failures and the hold they have. Can I preach to somebody right now? And the hold they have on your life. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? All of them. Every last one of them. Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life? This is David singing these songs. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? David wasn't just killing giants on the battlefield. David was killing the giants in their mind. David was slaying the giants in their spirit. David was slaying the giants in their imagination. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles hear my cry oh God attend unto my prayer hallelujah 
Oh, Israel could relate with this song. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Anybody ever been there when you when your heart is overwhelmed? When my heart is overwhelmed. Hallelujah. When I go stay in that position, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Hallelujah. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save the Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. Yeah. Oh, man. These songs just... they, They refresh the people. These songs were a constant reminder that the Lord is on our side. He heals our diseases. He forgives our iniquities. He crowns us with loving kindness. Other people trust in chariots and horses, but we remember the name. And it was David putting those songs out, strumming that, strumming that harp, strumming those chords. And when he would, he would drive evil spirits away. Evil spirits would run when David began to play and sing. They could not stay when David would play and sing. David was just like a breath of fresh air. He was like a a bright light in Israel. Hallelujah. I could go on. I I could quote more Psalms. There's 150 of them. We could go into Psalm 119 and spend the rest of the night and shout till morning. Beautiful songs. Paul would later say, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, when he said psalms and hymns, he wasn't just meaning songs. He was meaning the psalms. It was the psalm that said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He said, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These psalms, I could go on. I could take you through chapter by chapter the way God kept David, the way David persevered, the way David showed mercy, the way David trained up mighty men, the way that David prepared his heart for the things that, were, that, that God would have in store for him. And I could take you from 1 Samuel 17 all the way up to where we read our text, but, but I'm not reading from 1 Samuel 17 tonight. Oh, 1 Samuel 17 was glorious. Man, you should have seen young David out on that battlefield. He wasn't afraid of anything. He grabbed that slingshot. He wound it up. He had that stone safe in the pouch. And when he let it loose, it flew like a torpedo. It found its target without any deviation from the path. It was divinely ordered. It was providential the way David operated that day. Oh, friend, if you could have seen young David, if you could have seen David in his prime, what a man. 
man of God. The Bible would call him the man after God's own heart. The, the Bible would call him the sweet psalmist of Israel. But we're in 2 Samuel 21. And 2 Samuel 21 is a lot different than any of those other chapters. In 2 Samuel 21, oh, it's a battle. And yes, it's the Philistines. But David has gotten older. He's not that young man on the, in the Valley of Elah anymore. And he's not, he's not able to do some of the things that he once did. His reflexes are slower. He doesn't quite have the agility that he once had. His ability to deflect and move and, 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 and dodge and duck, just not quite as it was when he was a lot younger. But, but the battle is hot and the battle is unfolding and they need, a, they need a victory. So David goes out to the battle just like he would normally go out to the battle. <sighs> what he wasn't prepared for, though, is that there were young giants now. The Bible says that there were giants out there that were the descendants of the giants in Gath. And these descendants of the giants in Gath were quick. They were strong. They were large. They were massive. David wasn't afraid because David had dealt with this all of his life. But they had been training all of their life. For this moment to be able to kill David, they knew that if they could kill David, then they would be able to get to Israel. And so one particular young giant by the name of Ishbibinab, the Bible said he had a new sword. And he found David in the middle of the battle and he cornered him. And it was just David and Ishbibinab by themselves. And Ishbibinab, a descendant of the giant in Gath, almost like a, 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 tra a trained warrior, skilled in various arts of battle and warfare. And he's got David in his sights. And he has been training since he was a child how to kill David. And now he's got him. And David is older now, grizzled with age. But he grabs that sword he's been using for a long time. And he faces off. He's not afraid of this young giant. And the young giant moves in. And as David begins to fight him, David realizes the giant is a lot quicker than David expected. And David's not moving quite as quickly as he once could move. Man, if he could fight this guy in his prime. He wishes he could be in his 20s again fighting this giant. Because, man, I used to be able to be quicker than this. And my reflexes were better than this. And just when, when the gut began to cramp and, and when the muscles began to ache, the Bible says that Ishbibinab cornered David and got him into a vulnerable position position and was about to kill him and David was in a position he was not used to being this this warrior man after God's own heart with his back against the mountain and Ishbibinab moving in for the kill it was over until a young man by the name of Abishai came around the corner and Abishai looked over and saw David the light of Israel the sweet psalmist of Israel, the man after God's own heart, he saw something he never dreamed he would see. He saw him vulnerable and about to be killed. And Abishai, who had been trained by David, Abishai, who learned how to fight from David, Abishai, who learned how to worship from David, 
Abishai who learned how to how to use a sword, how to sling a stone, how to how to stand in the gap. Abishai rushed between David and Ishbibinab. And he's younger than David. He's quicker than David. And he's not afraid of Ishbibinab. The Bible says that he smote Ishbibinab and he killed him and saved David's life. He looked back at David and, and the mighty men of David at this point were able to gather around. And they looked at David and said, all right, listen, we love you and we're grateful you come out here and fight like you do. But it's not happening again. And they said, I'll tell you why. It's not that we don't need you. It's that we need you. You're going to have to command us from afar because God forbid that the light of Israel ever be quenched. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. David knew he wasn't the light of Israel. Oh, you ask David who is the light and he'll tell you, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. No. In the same way that John chapter 1 speaks of John the Baptist, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. In the same way, David could be considered by people the light of Israel. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That light is found in Genesis chapter 1 when the Bible says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Hallelujah. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. That word, let there be, is the word haya. It's the same word that God used when Moses asked, who shall I say has sent me? The Lord said, haya, or I am hath sent you. He literally was saying to exist or let there be or I am. So, so God saying let there be light was the equivalent of God saying I am light. The identity of God is the light of Israel. It's not the light of the sun or the moon or the stars. This was the light on the first day. Sun, moon, and stars were on the fourth day. This is the light that shines above the brightness of the stars. As it did on the road to Damascus when Saul was riding down that road. It wasn't the light of the sun that knocked him off that high horse. It was the light that shone above the brightness of the sun. Hallelujah. And when he interacted with that light, that light said, I am. Jesus. I want to tell you what that light is. That light is the identity of God. And don't you ever forget that what illuminates us as a people is the identity of God. It is not our talent. It is not our ability. It is not our ex exceptional acumen for certain proclivities. No, sir. No, ma'am. It is the identity of God. God. He is the great I am. He is the altogether lovely. He is the one true and living God. And you hear what 
what your pastor is saying right now. It is only one God that we serve. It is not multiple persons. It is not multiple beings. There is not a multiplicity of people involved in the Godhead. There is one Lord and his revealed name is Jesus. It has been a conflict of the ages in Christianity because people are conflicted in their understanding about the love of God. They have been taught by heresy that God sent a separate person to redeem them from death. But God did not send a separate person to redeem them from death. God himself was manifest in the flesh. This Jesus is not a separate person from the Father in heaven. He is the Father who became the Son of God. I don't like taking any shots at anybody, so I won't do that. But I will tell you there's a reason why much of mainstream Christianity is drifting with the world as the world drifts. As the world drifts into a, a ever, ever expanding drift of, of godlessness and, and caving to this culture. You look around and much of mainstream Christianity is drifting right along with it. And they're going with the flow of this cultural drift. And they don't believe things they used to believe. And they don't practice things they used to practice. And they're denouncing the, the truth of the word of God. They don't believe this Bible is true anymore. They're denouncing things of God that you never dreamed people who called themselves Christian would denounce but that is not true of the one God people and it is because we worship only one God our understanding of sacrifice is not conflicted our understanding of sacrifice has to do with our heavenly father took upon himself the form of a human being and paid the price I could not pay my God did that That's the light of Israel. That is what illuminates the darkness. There is no eternal son. There is no eternal son. There is no co-equal son. There is no co-eternal son. Hallelujah. There is no second person in the Godhead. There is one Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Hallelujah. You want to know the mystery of godliness? I'll tell you the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, seen of angels, received up into glory. 
For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. That includes Father and Son and Holy Ghost and Shepherd and Lamb and Root and Branch. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. Hear what I'm preaching to you tonight because we have some Davids who have preached this message. We have some Davids who gave their life to this truth. We have some Davids who said that that example of the sacrifice of Calvary is the example by which we pattern our lives. And this is why we're a holy people. And this is why we're a covenant people. And this is why we're a committed people. And this is why there is consecration inside and outside. Because we serve a holy God. We don't act like the world. We don't look like the world. We don't dress like the world. We don't go where the world goes. We don't think like the world. And you say, well, some do. Then we all need to repent. Every last one of us needs to put our face in an old-fashioned altar and say, God, bring me back to the foot of the cross. God, let the light shine in my heart again. Let the light illuminate whatever part of me has drifted into a worldly way of seeing things, a worldly way of doing things, a worldly way of living or acting. Yeah, yeah, there are some new giants in our world. There are some young giants. The Bible says Ishbibinov unsheathed a new sword. A sword David had never seen before. And David is looking at this new sword. And, and he's trying to fight this new sword. I'm going to tell you there's some new swords that are coming against the church. And, and David, David has never seen them before. And I'm going to tell something to the young generation of Tree of Life Church. Abishai, listen to me. David can't fight all your battles. We've leaned on elders to do the praying. We've leaned on elders to do the worshiping. Brother Rodriguez, thank you for dancing and shouting before the Lord. Hallelujah. But we need some Abishai's to get out in the aisle. Yeah, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. David, David will fight as long as he can. With, till his very last breath, he'll fight. But it's not fair for David to have to fight every battle of Israel. It's time for an Abishai to step in. Let me tell you what Abishai didn't do. Abishai didn't step down between David and Ishbibinab and say, Hey, hey, Ishbibinab, listen, listen. Just hear me out, hear me out. Don't pay any attention to him. He's old-fashioned. Don't pay any attention to him. He's old school. 
Don't, don't, don't pay. Listen, I'll make peace with you. You can, we'll, we'll, we'll be a little more like you and you won't be as mad at us and you won't hate us because we'll do what you want us to do. And, and you can have our homes, just, just let us live in them. And, and, and you can have our families and, and we'll do what you say. Just give us peace. That's not what he did. He came down into that battle and said, I'm going to fight the same battle with the same Hey, and let me say something. Let me say something to the Davids out here. And I'm in that, I'm in that group. I'm in the David category. I'm a grandpa. I'm Grandpa Urshan now. So I'm in the David category. Let me say something to us Davids. We have a responsibility to train Abishai so that when Abishai shows up and he sees Ishbibinov trying to wreak havoc on the church, we've got to train Abishai to be able to know how to fight the good fight of faith. My God, have mercy. Come on, young people. It's time to pray. It's time to fast. It's time to worship. It's time to teach Bible studies. It's time to have all-night prayer meetings. It's time to win souls, cast out devils. It's time to stand for truth, stand for holiness, stand for the oneness of God. And I don't care who's turning their back on truth. Truth is truth. If we're the last people standing for it, truth is truth. Truth was never about a popularity contest. Truth was never about, never, never in a million years was truth about anything but truth. And if the whole world backslides, truth is still truth. Hear me, hear me now. And if the, if the whole body of Christ walks away, truth is still truth. Don't you ever walk away from the truth. Buy it and sell it not. Buy it. Buy the truth. You know how you buy the truth? I'm going to tell you how you buy it. Here's, here's what truth costs. Here's what truth costs. It costs everything. You're not going to get a bargain on truth. You're not going to get a discount on Amazon with truth. You're not going to find, and listen, and be wary of the preacher who gets up and tells you you can have it half off. Something gets up, in, gets up into my spirit when I hear people laughing about the way the elders used to do it. Oh, they used to make us pray all the time. Well, dear God in heaven, I hope so. And we need to be doing that now. Oh, they didn't play any games when it came to holiness. That's right, they didn't play any games when it came to holiness. And we need to stop playing games when it comes to the holiness of God. Huh? 
I'll tell you what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen. I'm feeling like David, like David's fingers are getting tired. His arm is getting tired. His, his revolving of the sling is getting slower. His reflexes, he's, he's getting older. But are there some Abishai's who will stand up and say, we will not let truth fall in the streets. I know Ishbibinab has a new sword and he unsheathes that sword and it's techy and it's gadgety and it's, it's odd and we're not sure what to do about it and it's, it's perverse and it's strange and it's, and, and, and there's no, so it's a no-win situation because you, you can't even preach truth or, or people try to cancel you. And you're like, what do we do with this sword? Let me tell you something. The word of God is quick. And powerful. And hear this. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Prayer still works. Faith still works. Fasting still works. Holy Ghost power still works. The anointing of the Lord still works. Now listen. I'm coming to a close. I've got a close. But listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close. Listen to me. We've got, we do have to let all things be done decently and in order. That's Bible. And we do have to do that. And that means going with the flow of a service even. That means, that means when the people are worshiping, worship. Don't, don't overpower everybody around you to where you're the only one anybody can, can hear. There needs to be unity in our worship. There doesn't need to be disorder. There doesn't need to be indecency in our, in our approach to God. But, but, but hear me. We must never stop being apostolic, Pentecostal people. He brought me out. He brought me out. Has anybody ever talked to me in just a normal conversation? If you've ever talked to me, like greeted me or anything, could you just lift your hand if you've ever talked to me in a normal conversation? Then you know I'm not even like this. This isn't even my personality. I'm worshiping my God right now. I'm praising the one who saved me. I'm praising the one who lifted me out of despair and darkness. I remember the moment that he came to dry my tears. I remember the moments that he came and assured me, I am with you and I shall ever be with you and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So I'm sorry. When I walk into a place where there are hundreds of people worshiping him, I get excited about that because you're saying he's been good to you. Guess what? He's been good to me too you're saying that you're saying that he healed you he healed me you're saying he delivered you he delivered me listen listen that lady busted into that dinner experience with a box of ointment and she broke the protocol of that whole day and I'm going to tell you something. That would be frustrating if you're the host. It would be. 
frustrating. If you're trying to have a nice dinner meeting with Jesus and you've got dignitaries lined up and then all of a sudden this crazy lady comes in with this box of ointment and she's crying and staggering and stumbling with this box of ointment and everybody's seated in their nice fine attire and their china is all set up on the table and the tablecloths are all pressed and everything's beautiful and she comes to the feet of Jesus and she breaks this ointment over his feet and starts weeping over his feet. Tears, hot tears are falling on his feet and she takes her hair and starts washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. I think most of us would be like Simon, where he would never say it, but he's thinking, are you kidding me right now? Now, of all times, and Jesus knows what he's thinking and says, Simon, now, the leper, Simon the leper, since I walked into this house, you have not yet wept over my feet. You have not washed my feet. But from the time I walked into this room, this lady has not stopped. Do you know what Jesus said about that experience? He said, wherever the gospel is preached, include this. That is serious. That is a serious validation of what she just did. Wherever the gospel is preached, when you tell them that I lived a perfect life and died the death of a transgressor and was buried in a borrowed tomb and rose from the dead and that, and that I'm coming again for them, when you tell them that and that they must repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, when you tell them all of that, make sure you include this. You know who had a problem with it? Simon the leper. Simon, did you, did you hear? The leper. How does he even have people in his house? How is he not in some colony somewhere? How is, how is he not broken down in some, some far-flung colony where nobody can get to him and, and he's just dying a slow, painful death? How is that not happening? I'll tell you how. Because Jesus has touched him. And Jesus is looking at Simon the leper saying, why aren't you doing what she's doing? And then Jesus told him why. He told him why. He said, here's why. Because she has been forgiven much. And because she has been forgiven much, she loves much. This is why we praise him. We have been forgiven much. Now, wait just a second. If you don't think you've been forgiven much, then maybe you don't think you have much reason to praise him. Maybe you're one of those people that are going to skate into heaven without need of the mercy of God. But not me. I can't go without his mercy. I'll never make it without his mercy. Listen, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how holy you think you are, how rich you think you are, how, 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 how pure you think your heart is, how much good you've done, how many good deeds you've done. How It doesn't matter. What matters is that he is merciful to me. It is because of the mercy of God. It is because of the mercy of God. 
When people walk into the Tree of Life Church, yes, we will be decent. Yes, we will be orderly. We don't need to do anything that the Spirit's not moving us to do. But, but at the same time, they need to walk into an apostolic Pentecostal experience. They need to walk into a place where young people are not ashamed to praise the Lord. They don't see that in the world. They don't see that in the world. They see a lot of young people who would never darken the doors of a church or never dream of lifting their hands or never dream of openly, publicly confessing like David did when his wife mocked him. That God has been good to me. God has. I'm so glad to see the Ark of the Covenant. That glorious king. That glorious king. He went right back to the shepherds hills of Judea. When he saw that Ark come down the way. He forgot about the dignitary. He forgot about the royalty. He forgot about who he was. And the sophistication of what was expected of him. And he just got out in the middle of the street. And he started dancing like that little shepherd. We were at a youth conference just this last week and, and, the, and the power of God began to move in the service and I felt the quickening of the Holy Ghost come on me. And the young people up there worshiping and clapping and I felt the quickening power of God come on me. And you know what? I stood there bouncing. And you know what I felt the Lord say? I felt the Lord say, you know what you'd be doing if you were 12 years old again. Lord, I looked kind of crazy when I was 12 years old. I'm, I'm not 12 years old anymore. But he's still so good. I took off dancing like I did when I was 12 years old. Praising God. Praising God. I don't care how old I get. I don't care what accomplishments the Lord allows us to achieve. The light of Israel will never go out. The light of Israel will never go out. It'll never go out. He's been too good. He's been too good. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to pray. I don't need the music to praise him. I don't need the music to praise. I don't need the beat of the drum to dance before the care how big ish Bibi Nob is. I don't care how sophisticated his weapons are. The light of Israel. The light of Israel must never be quenched. Somebody lift your hands to him. Could you do that? Could you do that? The light of Israel must never be quenched. We're a one God people. We're a Jesus name people. We're a holiness people. We're a consecrated people. Hallelujah. We believe in preaching the gospel to every creature. We believe in the fruit of the spirit and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We believe in being sold out to God. We believe in praying. We believe in worshiping. I need some Davids and Abishais to come down right now. I need some Davids and Abishais. I don't know which, which, you decide which one you are. 
I won't even tell you who the Davids and the Abishais are, but I want some folks that have been fighting for years to come down. And I want some folks that have the sword in their hand and you're ready, you're ready to stand in the gap and say, we're not going to let this worship die. We're not going to let this truth die. We're not going to let this, this message die. We're not going to let the anointing die. It doesn't die with David. It doesn't die with the generation. Brother Dave Duvall, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your example. Thank you. I need some young people right now to stand in the gap and say we're going to take the next two or three decades we're going to take the next four decades and we're never going to turn back and we're going to create a safe haven we're going to create hallelujah sister Washington God bless you thank you for your faithfulness thank you for your faithfulness has no power over the church the light of Israel is going to shine brighter than it's ever shown before come on take the bushel off whatever you've got hiding that light take it off right now an anointing coming upon this generation right now there is an anointing coming on this generation right now some Abishai's there's some Abishai's come on that's it Abishai strengthen your arms for the fight strengthen your arms for the fight sharpen your sword for the fight
Change everything, change for fear. Bow. 
feel